You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All righty, everybody, here we go again. It's Monday. We all know Mondays suck, but I hopefully this podcast brings a little smile to your life and, uh, you know, helps your Monday suck just a little bit less. But today we have a really kick-ass podcast with Brent Garza, and he is from Ohio. Now, Brent has already been on the podcast, and the last time he was on the podcast, he has he discussed purchasing a property and the steps that he took to purchase this property. Now that he's purchased this property, today's podcast, we talk about what he has done from a habitat improvement standpoint, you know, basically to hold more deer on his property. Uh, These are the very first steps that he has done on this property that he's recently purchased. And as we all know, um, you know, deer, food, water, cover. Uh, we're going to talk about each one of those things, what Brent has done so far to um, uh, bring that number of improvement up on all three of those categories. And uh, it's just a really cool conversation. I must say, I'm just a little bit jealous of that and uh, of him owning property because that's, you know, my goal someday. And I know that's a, a goal of just about everybody, uh, in some way, shape or form that I've talked to anyway of is owning hunting property and be being able to manipulate it in any way that you want. So we talk a lot about that today. Now, uh, real quick, before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to briefly introduce a new partner to the podcast. And that is lone wolf tree stands. Uh, I'm sure if you've heard any of these other podcasts that I've done, uh, Lone Wolf, you've heard me talk about Lone Wolf, right? They are quiet. They're made in America. Uh, they are durable. They'll last forever. And they are adjustable, meaning uh, you can sit straight in a crooked tree. And that's a huge deal for for me anyway. Um, they're lightweight and they are perfect for either the public land guy or the running gun guy like myself. Uh, not to say they're not good for any other reason, but they are awesome for running guns and they're awesome for the public land guy. Um, so definitely take a look at what Lone Wolf has to offer. Um, and the rest of this year, we are going to be doing a variety of giveaways, right? Uh, through for Lone Wolf products. Now, Here's how you sign up, and trust me when I say it's going to be worth your while to sign up. First and foremost, you need to go to lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine 
followed by the word fingers, lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers. And it's going to ask you for your email address and your name. You will enter your information, you will hit submit, and that automatically enters you into these giveaways that we're going to be doing. Now, as soon as you hit submit, something else happens, and I can't go into detail on this podcast. So trust me when I say go visit that site and sign up for the giveaway. Something else happens, and it should put a smile on your face. Anyway, so there's that. Uh, You're going to hear me talk a little bit more about Lone Wolf uh, as we do some more of these product review podcasts and, and whatnot. But other than that, guys, let's see here. Uh, Not too much to say. Let's get into today's podcast with Brent Garza as he talks about habitat improvement. All right. On the phone with me for a second time is a returning guest, Brent Gargas. How are you doing today, Brent? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Dan? I tell you what, it is raining like cats and dogs here in Iowa today yesterday and the day before so i'm glad i got my turkey hunting season out of the way before all this rain came yeah we have the same thing here i actually got trapped in my barn for a little while today some kind of monsoon blew through (laughs) i i had all sorts of big expectations and plans for the day that were washed out right i hear that man um so how did your turkey season go uh you know i only went a couple times in west virginia and i missed one it was a kind of a funny story. It was just a couple of jakes that were coming in, and I was down there hunting with my buddy for a couple of days. I thought, oh, we've been sitting here all day. I haven't seen anything. So if one of these come in, I'm going to shoot it. So, of course, they came running in at that point, and I just was not focused at all because it was a jake. I'm like, oh, it's, you know, it's just going to die because it's a jake. It's this dumbest thought, and I just shot right over its back, like right through the feathers, right over its back. Right. Yeah. It was the worst. Yeah, then I felt like a goon all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, at least it was a clean mess, man. Yeah, yeah. So it was fun, but that was about all I got in so far. Right, right. Well, do you still have time left? Oh, yeah. Ohio season just opened last Monday. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so it's pretty pretty early here right. for us. Are you going to try to – do you have any birds coming onto your property? Yeah, you know, there's a – there's about six longbeards that run around back there, and I, I plan on going. I was going to go this morning, and it was just pouring down rain, so I didn't go. So I'm hoping that you know maybe by the end of the week, end of the weekend, I can get out. Awesome. Well, I wish you luck on that endeavor. Uh, you know, I kind of ate my words this year because <laughs> I, I kept saying, oh, I got a place that's just automatic. I'm going to walk mm-hmm. in, they're going to fly down, and I'm going to shoot them. And little did I know that did not happen at all this year. So uh, it was a, a little bit humbling of a experience this year. But, you know, for me, turkey season is just something to do between deer seasons. And that's it. And honestly, with all with all the stuff I've been wanting to do around, you know, the property, it's kind of taken a back seat to what the energy I usually put toward it. And um, you know, those turkeys for for a, for as dumb as they are, they make us look really dumb. Right. You yeah. know, something with a brain the size of a what is it like a peanut? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And they outsmart me often. That's right. Yeah. Same here. Well, okay. If if you. For the listeners, I guess, if you you should remember this name because we recently did a podcast. Man, how long ago has it been? Like three months ago? I would say at least. It was early December, I okay. want to say, I think. 
And that last podcast with Brent, um, we discussed the steps that he went through um, about his move from, what was it, Pennsylvania to Ohio, right? Yes. Okay. And we discussed the the steps that he took and how he approached buying this property that he had purchased um, and, you know, the financial side of it and the real estate side of it and all that. So I'm flipping through uh, Facebook and every time I see your, you know, your name pop up, you're, you got a chainsaw or you got, <laughs> you're cutting something down or you're, you're plowing something on your property. And I'm just like, well, you know what? I want to get this guy back on the podcast because it sounds to me like you've been pretty active on your property, you know, doing habitat work. Yeah, I, I would say active is a, is a good word. I have a, one of my friends, his name's Ben. He keeps making fun of me because he said that I'm going to turn 40, uh, 52 acres, but about 46 is woods. And he keeps saying I'm going to turn it into a, a Kansas field if I don't leave the chainsaw. No. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, you know, I guess let's, what I'd like to do is start where we left off. And I believe that was you basically just running ideas and thoughts through your head about how you wanted to approach um, your property, what you wanted to do to it. Um, Cause I think the last time we talked to you were brainstorming on, you know, what you wanted to do to improve the habitat for the deer. So let's start off right there and tell us a little bit about, you know, you're, you're standing on your back porch, you're looking at your timber. What did you do right off the bat to say, okay, you know, I guess to identify what, what you needed to do, where you needed to do it and like what your goal was. So initially what I wanted to do first was to see if I had valuable timber that I could get a, a forester in or, you know, a logging company in to do some of this work for me. And I could make a little cash on the side from that. So I had a, a, uh, I'll call him a logger, but I don't know if that's the appropriate term forester come through. We walked the property a couple times and he just said that it was right on the line of having enough large timber to cut. And I have mostly big maples, hard maples, soft maples. I have a lot of white oaks that aren't quite ready to go yet. And I have a lot of big red oaks that are just not worth anything. Yep. And so unfortunately he told me, you know, not right now. I, I can't do much for you. So I, I realized at that point it was just me and the steel and we were going to have to do some work this winter. Okay. So yeah, I wanted to first and foremost find out, you know, I, I watched the wind all fall. How did the wind blow? And I, I actually have a spreadsheet and this sounds really anal, but I have a spreadsheet on my computer of every day what the wind was at my house, which direction it came from. And I looked at that first to decide where I was going to put plots, where stands would be best suited, where bedding areas would be best to create because there was nothing back there right and and try to have the wind in my favor for the most um the wind that was the most often occurring here and so as as you started this process and you know it's basically at this point you're just thinking you're using your brain right you haven't even picked up the chainsaw yet to um you know start creating bedding areas for for deer on your property what, you know, what was going through your head as far as, I guess, overall in general? I mean, where did you go for guidance 
or did you go to certain websites? Did you read books? You know, mm-hmm. um, was this something that you said, you know what, I'm just going to go in there and make a mess. <laughs> well, a little bit of all of that, I guess. I've read a lot of books. I mean, I've read pretty much everything Jeff Sturgis has put out. I've read, I read Steve Bartello's latest habitat management book. I talked to Eric Long. He, he runs a company called Drumming Log mm-hmm. and he only, li- he lives about 20 minutes away from me. So that's a really nice contact to have nearby. Right. And I just kind of got, uh, had a, one of my good friends come up who has worked on some property at his place, you know, a farm that he used to have in his family that was recently sold and just kind of got everybody's opinion on what they thought. And then I kind of put all those opinions in a bag and started pulling out what sounded best to me. Okay. Now and, uh, you oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say YouTube. Uh, I watch a ton of YouTube videos. I mean, as simple as hinge cutting, you know, that right. was something that was pretty foreign to me. Okay. So as you're sitting there getting all these ideas, um, you know, cause I, I take it, there's a lot of information in there and every property is different. So not every, um, I want to say property management tool can be used on every property, right? There's specific things that specific properties need to do to, uh, you know, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but for, let me back up. I don't want to assume anything here. Mm-hmm. What was your goal with your property? So my, my goal, if I was going to look on a, like a high level goal, it was just to get rid of the closed canopy state park that I purchased pretty much is what it was. It was beautiful to look at completely closed canopy. Okay. All right. So now let's break that down into a little bit more specific of a goal is all of this because of deer, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. All right. Because you know, I've been on the wired to hunt podcast and we've talked with guys who are like, you know what? I want to, I want to improve the songbird you know, I want more songbirds on my property <laughs> or I want, you know, um, more turkeys on my property or I want to see woodchucks, whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But all of the the uh, principles that you wanted to implement revolved around deer and deer hunting, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could say that I wanted some of the nice other things, but I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, right. I just wanted it to be to house, to hold more deer, to if they weren't staying there, to come there to spend more of their time and make it a little bit easier to hunt because it's, it was pretty difficult to hunt last year. Okay. So as we all know, and you know, I'm not going to say anything groundbreaking on this podcast, but what are the three things that whitetail deer need or revolve around, right? Food, water, cover, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so rank your property before you started implementing these changes to your property on food, water, cover. All right, so food, I'll, I'll rate it from zero to 10. Okay. Uh, food, food before I started doing anything because there was an existing, last year I did plant two smaller food plots. So I, I would give myself like a three on food. Okay. Um, water, I would give myself a two or a three. Um, and cover, I would give my. if you could give like a negative three, I'd give a negative three for cover for my property. There was none. It was really none. Right. In one little corner, there was one pocket of cover, but it was totally impossible to hunt for how it was set up, to, like from a topography standpoint. Okay. So it was, it was lacking all three of those. All right. So before you planted food plots, and I know that cover plays a big role in this, but 
you mentioned that you had some oak trees and I'm sure there was something that the deer could eat on this property, but Mm -hmm. um, was there enough acorns or any other browse on that property to, you know, have the deer interested in there other than just cruising through it? So there, the oak production last year, the, the crop was huge. There was acorns everywhere raining down. I mean, I have, I shouldn't say I have some oak trees. I have a lot of oak trees back there in there was tons of them, but in my little 40 some acres of woods that's back there, it's in another large block of timber that is also full of the same number of oak trees. So gotcha. the acorn crop last year actually made my life more difficult than as if it didn't happen at all. Okay. So an overabundance of food, there yes. was nothing to uh, concentrate them. Right, right. Absolutely okay. not. In in terms of other cover, like, you know, woody browse and things like that, I, I lacked it really because there's no sunlight to get into the forest floor to produce some of the, you know, the green briar, things like that. It just didn't exist. And if it did, it was just mowed down. Right. Okay. So, you, you know, now we've established this goal that you had uh, in mind. Was your goal to get a lot of this work done? Um, I mean, this early spring and, and this summer, or is this kind of a long-term goal? Cause I, you know, obviously with, um, property there's long and there's short term, but coming into a property like yours, which I'm assuming had a ton of work that needed to be done to accomplish your goals. It was almost like a, a blank slate. It was a totally blank slate as if it was a wooded blank slate. And what I, I forget how I worded it to Eric, Eric long called me and told me that he, he saw that I was being really bit. I was very busy. And I told him what I lacked in, um, patience. I made up with enthusiasm and he thought that was pretty funny <laughs> because it, it, it is, I wanted to get a big chunk of the heavy work out of the way, the, the hinge cutting, the, the felling of trees, all of that stuff. I wanted to get done as much as I could this year and see how that played out and to see what I had to do again next year. Yeah. But you know, this habitat stuff from what I'm learning is a never ending process. What I've, you know, a couple of years from now, I may have to go in and work on what I did this year. And yeah, it's going to always evolve. Okay. So I guess the first thing that I want to talk about is cover. All right. And we can kind of go down the, go down the line, but you know, state parks, you drive through, they look pretty, not great for deer habitat. Um, that's what you had on your piece. What, were some of the things that you've done since the last time we've talked that, um, you know, was, is to improve cover and, you know, talk a little bit about the thought process and steps that you took to say, okay, I want to make a bedding area back here and here's why. Okay. So that'll go back into, you know, the, the wind direction and how I was going to hunt it. Mm -hmm. And if you think of a rectangle, that could be a large chunk of my property that I worked on. It, it's two different parcels that are connected together, kind of like an o- oddly shaped figure eight. So there's a square and a rectangle. Gotcha. And the rectangle piece, I want to bring deer and bed the deer in the back of it and bring them east. It was kind of my goal with that. So I had to go into the topography of it as well. I got a lot of hills and for 50 some acres that I own, there's a ton of topography. I have a slope facing every direction for the most part. So, I knew where I wanted the deer to bed and I knew where I didn't want them to bed. Right. So I started where I knew absolutely positively I want the deer to bed here and I started working on that timber first. Okay. And was that the 
furthest away from your house, that area? Um, yes and no. That was one of the, the spots. And then there was another spot that's actually really, really close to my house. I probably could throw a rock from my porch up the hill and okay. get close to it. And that was another spot I knew I wanted them to bed. And I started, I worked on those two first. Okay. And then was the decision to put those bedding areas, you know, and do some of that, uh, you know, that cover, create cover in those areas. Was that just because of terrain or were there any other, um, influencers that, you know, wind terrain and what about the other neighboring properties? Is were there roads nearby that influenced where you wanted to put them or is it just access routes? Um, there, I was, there's not really any roads nearby on that piece, but there, it does border one property that does get a little bit of pressure. I, I don't have a ton of pressure around my house. I'm the smallest property owner of everybody for the most part that touches my property. It's either 200 acres, 150 acres, 300 acres that all border mine. And I'm on the back end of all of theirs. So I'm fortunate in that sense that I don't have a ton of pressure on my lines, but the one piece does get some and I actually kind of put bedding close to that side because I know that they hunt it well enough that there's going to drive deer onto me and further into me. Okay. So you strategically put um, that far bedding area there in hopes of, you know, obviously access and wind, but from a pressure standpoint, okay, if a guy comes on this property to do do something, the deer might get spooked and move further into yours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, the wind is just funky back there. It's kind of like a, it's a bowl type shape in terms okay. of the topography and hunting it is one of those places I might do it once during the rut, something I'm going to go in there and I know that I'm probably going to screw up a little bit, but you can't really do much with the wind. So I thought this is a great area to turn into it, just a huge chunk of small bedding pockets. Right. Okay. Now what specifically, what kind of methods of, uh, cover improvement did you do? I know you mentioned uh, hinge cutting, but was there anything mm-hmm. else that you did? I tried to do a little bit of everything. I hinge cut. I traditionally dropped trees. I did girdling. Everything you could think of to change the... If I would have hinge cut everything, I, it would have just been a mess of treetops. Or if I would have cut every tree down, it would have been a mess of treetops. And not exaggerating, I probably manipulated 100, 200 trees this okay. winter. Maybe more. I, I don't know. I I'd be back there for eight hours a day on the weekends and just cutting away. Right. But, um, I used all three of those methods to give some variety to, to the area. Right. So the main goal is to increase sunlight to the forest floor. Now, you know, I take it some of the trees that you cut down were, were fairly big. Um, how, how big of trees are we talking? Um, a couple of them I probably shouldn't have cut down if we're going to be completely honest, but, uh, I cut some big ones down. If they were too big, there was two red oak trees that were massive. I mean, massive. Two trees probably canopied out half an acre, three quarters of an acre just in their canopy. I mean, huge. And I girdled those. And I sprayed the I sprayed the girdles with uh, triclopyr. And I was just back there today. I wanted to see if they leafed out. And neither one of them leafed out. Okay. So um, the term girdling, that's where you take a cha- chainsaw and you cut all the way around the bark, right? And then and that that uh, chemical you sprayed in, I take it, poisons the tree? It does. It's a tr- Triclopyr is meant for more of a woody browse type of herbicide. And 
I, I do two lines when I girdle these trees. So I would go in, depending on if it's a hard or soft tree, that's how far in you're going to really need to go to kill it. And if you're going to kill it this year or if it's going to die slowly, I went in pretty deep on these trees and on two rings about a foot apart. Okay. And it, and it worked. It did. It did. Okay. So the, so the goal is over several years, this tree will like fall apart and basically rot or is that the goal of that? Yeah. And I, I really just didn't, I didn't want it to be there, but I didn't want to cut it down. Those two trees are covering up a pretty big white oak flat okay. and the white oaks really, they're going to get tons of sunlight now. They're, they're already pretty big. Right. And I know they're going to blow up now because they're going to get a lot of sunlight. Plus, I'm going to get all that good browse coming up just from the general forest floor. Okay. So that guy comes in uh, earlier in the year and he says, hey, well, these trees aren't really ready to cut yet um, because you know they need a couple more years and we can come in and you can get some good money out of them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So did you go in and like did, did your impatience get the best of you and did you cut down any of those trees? I didn't cut down a single white oak. Uh, okay. The only the only oaks I manipulated were those. Uh, technically, it was three big red oaks, but one wasn't that big, and they didn't have any timber value. They're they're massive trees. Yeah. But I, have you ever heard the term a yard tree? A yard where, tree. Yeah, or like a you know someone has an oak tree in their yard and they have tons of branches on them. Oh yeah, yeah. They those are really aren't worth anything, and those are that's because so much sunlight got to those trees as if it was in somebody's yard. My property used to be an old field years and years ago. Okay. So those oak trees got tons of light, really branched out. They're all naughty and gnarly looking, and they're just there was no value to them, alive or dead. Okay. So you you killed those two big uh, red oaks. Um, anything else? Um, I cut down. Jeez, oh, oh man, so many trees, so many trees. Uh, hinge cutting. I started doing that first. Actually, I, I would fall a couple big trees. They're going to be my base, and I would start hinging trees onto those. Okay. And I tried all sorts of stuff. I, I tried making a canopy. You know, everybody says, you know, they want to have something over their head. That is the most difficult task. I think they make it look really easy on YouTube, but it is yeah. not easy. And a couple that I did create, they had since just kind of fallen down. Something would fall on them. They, they'd collapse. So I went back in and cut all those up and moved them around just to generally open it up. Gotcha. I see. So on some of these YouTube videos – it's almost like building an enclosure for mm-hmm. for the deer to walk up underneath. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's what the, the thought process was. And people, depending on who you ask, and I've come to realize that everybody has an idea on habitat management, whether they are a paid habitat manager or just a guy who's been hunting for 50 years. Right. And, and they're all different. Right. And that leads me to believe that you really can't mess it up because there's enough people doing something different with good results. Right. And, and I guess from your standpoint, any of that type of work on your property is going to be better than none of that work. Absolutely. Absolutely. My, my main concern of what I could do wrong was dropping too many trees and making it too thick with tree tops that they couldn't maneuver. Right. Right. All right. So, uh, was that in, that was in December as well, or was that like, uh, this earlier this spring? I, I started cutting probably late December, I would okay. say, was when I first started making my first cuts. Okay. And I cut the whole way through January, February, March. I think I finally retired the chainsaw here a couple weeks ago. Okay. So from a cover standpoint now, 
are you done for the year? Uh, yeah, until after hunting season, I think that I'm going to be done. Now, I, I don't want to make any empty promises because I promised my buddy Ben that I wasn't going to cut any more trees down. And then he, he left and I went, went out and cut a bunch of trees down. So, <laughs> um, so, but that was around the food plots I made. I, I had to do a little edge feathering there. So I rationalized it that way. I gotcha. So yeah, I think I'm done cutting trees down until December or January. Okay. So if I was to walk on your property back in December before you started this and then walk on it today before the leaves started coming up uh, on these trees. Could I tell a difference? I mean, could, can you tell a big difference on your property just from walking through it and seeing like, okay, this is going to be awesome? Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I brought my brother back and now he, he doesn't live far from me, but he he's building a house and he's very busy. And you know, He's one of the guys that kind of got me to come out here to hunt in Ohio first of all. So right. he saw the property originally and I brought him out here after I was pretty much done cutting. He just kept going, oh my God, oh my God. I pulled him up on a hill where you could see and he's like, it looks like a tornado went through here. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, that's the point, right? Yes. That's what I was going for. All right. So now as the leaves are starting to come up, right. And all of the, it's starting to thicken up. Um, when you walk back there now, are you saying, okay, what I've done looks, I mean, looks like it has done its job. Looks like I've done a yeah. good job. Yeah. I was just, like I said, I'm back there today doing a little bit of work, putting some minerals out, just kind of taking a peek. I really haven't been back there in a while since it really started to green up. And a lot of my hinge cuts, actually most of them that stayed connected, they all leafed out. So okay. all that side cover that I tried to make or where I was putting my bedding areas, I tried to create a lot of side cover. Right. And those all leafed out. And just, and I was standing there kind of just looking around and it was 1230 in the afternoon. I, I caught a doe just walking through one of the bedding areas I made. I'm like, okay, that, that works. Okay. So then have you seen any direct results? I know this is a very short period of time that we're talking about, but have you ever, mm -hmm. have you seen direct results of deer taking advantage of the work that you've done already? I would say running cameras this winter, um, I saw a, lot, a big change and even I just pulled a couple cameras today that I, that I had out for turkeys and one of the original plot I had back there that I'm not going to plant this year, and I'm sure we'll get to that, but I had a camera over that and every day in daylight, there was multiple deer out there and bucks already starting to grow that a couple of them just through their physical features I could recognize. I'm like, okay, well they, they stuck around and last nice. year, yeah, last year it was not like that at all. Okay. So, so right now from a cover standpoint, you know, as far as chainsaws, cuts, cutting down trees, um, are you, you're done with that until the end of hunting season in 2017, right? Yeah, that's my plan. I think it, it looks like it's going to be pretty thick and nasty back there. Okay. Now from, and I want to talk about this first before we transition into food, but are you planning or have you already planted any type of cover grasses like uh, big tall grass or crp or anything like that i was going to plant some some grasses and i ended up not planting them only because the area that they were going to go in really wasn't the best area it's pretty close to my house and i was afraid i'd get them too close to where like a leech line would run off and from what i understand like those indian grasses and things like that i i read up on to make sure they were safe to put there and it, it just didn't seem like they were 
Okay. And that's pro- that was the only big area that I had the ability to do that in. I gotcha. Okay. All right. So now from a food onto food, um, I don't want to talk about food plots yet, but you mentioned that you have a lot of oak trees that drop acorns on your property. And as we all know, that can be a problem, especially if, I don't know, you're the type of person who likes to hunt uh, food plots, right? Especially if the acorns are dropping, it's like there's no need for them to come out because there's tons of acorns. Um, Are you planning on thinning out any of those trees um, to take, take food away from your property? You know, I don't, I don't think at this point, because actually where the oaks are, um, I, I hinge cut a few areas to create some funnels for myself too to hunt. So some of the hinging I was doing or felling I was doing wasn't all for bedding. I, I made three stand sites by creating some funnels Okay. and one, and one of them would actually lead to, uh, a big oak flat and I can hunt it pretty easy. So um, I think if they produce acorns this year, I, I, it'll be a bigger benefit to me than it was last year. Okay, cool. So now food plots then, um, how many food plots did you start off and how big were they before you started this, uh, property work? Cause you, planted, um, you said you planted some food plots. I did last year. There was a, an old open area back in the woods. It was, it was a little under a half an acre that, you know, I got here, we didn't move here until the end of May, early June. So by the time I got to even considering doing anything other than unpacking and figuring out my life, it was into July and August. So I, I kind of just killed it and, and seeded it and cut it pretty quick with a rye clover mix. Okay. And then I had another, I'd say half acre that I planted and I did that one in, in clover and turnips. So maybe an acre total is what I had last year. Okay. Did they come through for you? They did. And I'm, I'm shocked because I, I did soil samples this year actually. And I'm surprised I didn't burn the skin off my hands for how acidic the soil is back there. Right. Um, it, but they did come up, but I don't know how, what the protein content was because the soil is pretty crappy. Gotcha. Okay. Now you, did you, you said you planted the food plots before you did the soil sample last year. Yeah. Okay. I just, but, I just did a kind of a quick poor man's type seeding. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it, it ended up, it worked, but now you took a soil sample and what do you have to do now? Uh, mortgage my house to buy all the lime, I think. <laughs> I think is that's that pretty, what I'm going to have to Is do. that pretty expensive? Well, it's probably not if you don't need 7,000 pounds of it. Um, I think depending on how I go, there's a farm nearby that you can buy bulk or you can buy bagged. And if I go bulk, I could probably come out of it for 500 bucks, 600 okay. bucks. And then just the time of me spreading it, because I have a, a decent-sized tractor, but I can't pull a cart behind it. So it's a 200-pound spreader that I'm going to be putting a ton of lime down in each plot this year. Right. Okay. So that's uh, that's quite a – is that quite a bit? Yeah. It wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So when do you – when are you going to have to do that? Here pretty soon? Uh, yeah. I'm hoping to get it done in the next couple of weeks. That's like my next big task I have on my list here is is get everything – limed and unfortunately i'm gonna have to put pelletized down now and then pulverize down in the fall because the pelletized is only gonna last a year and but it gives a it works a lot faster and the pulverized will last a longer time but it takes a lot longer to work yeah so i'll have to do it twice 
Right. So what, um, are you expanding your food plots then? I mean, you went from two that equaled one acre to, are you, do you have multiples now or are you making the ones that you do have bigger? So I have, I had two that equaled one acre last year about, and this year I actually created two brand new ones. I, I cut the timber down, mini excavator, ripped all the stumps out. I mean, they're, it used to be a completely wooded area now in each of these spots that's now open food plot. Okay. Um, uh, so now you have a total of four. I, I do have a total. Well, I'm not going to use, so we'll go back. The original field that was back in the woods, I'm not going to plant this year because it you can't hunt it. They bed just below it and the wind typically blows down to where they bed and it, you just can't hunt it. So I just sprayed it the other day and I'm going to disc it and just let it go and try to stir up some of those ragweed briar seeds by disking it and just let that turn into an old field. Okay. And then I'm going to plant my two new plots and then I have my other area closer to my house in that big field that I'm going to come, I'm going to expand that plot out from probably half an acre to a, maybe Three quarters of an acre, okay, is what that'll turn into. I gotcha. And then, what uh, are you going to plant? Something consistent across your entire farm, or are you going to mix it up a little bit as far as the food? You know, I've been kicking that around for a while. I, I have buckwheat right now. As soon as I get it lined, I'm going to get the two new plots back in the woods seeded in buckwheat, just to try to combat some of the weed growth because that stuff grows so fast. Right. And then I'm going to kill that this summer, and I'll plant those back in the woods probably one of them will be in a a winter wheat clover red clover or crimson clover mix and then the other one i'm going to do in like a turn up wheat mix okay somewhat of the same but different i i'd like to see how they react to each one right so is this kind of, this sounds to me like you're 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 testing you're going to start yeah. testing okay to see what they like to see what they hit first um is one of those an early season mid season and one of them a late season um they typically would all produce cuz i'm going to plant the the turnips pretty early uh, usually in august or so so they would be growing by the early season ish and then the clover and winter wheat uh would get in the ground by early september and our season here opens the, this year it's the last saturday in september Okay. So th- they should be somewhat up and going by October. And, and I'm a brand new food plot hunter. Right. Um, I, I never really hunted them before. And I'm actually kind of like cautious to even hunt them because it's against everything that I was ever taught on hunting coming from Pennsylvania. You, you just, you hunt in the woods. That's just right. what you do. Right. And now it's a little bit different what I'm trying to do. Okay. So um, what about the other uh, food plot. You've talked that the, so you're going from, basically you're going from two to three because one of the food plots you're not going to replant, right? Yeah. I'm going to go from two to three, but much, uh, I'd say bigger and they're all shaped a a certain way. One of the plots that I made is it's shaped like a big, uh, hourglass and it's right on top of this ridge. And I'm going to have a little water hole in it. I mean, it, they're already cutting through the center of it and there's nothing even planted there. I pulled the camera today. Uh, another one's shaped kind of like an L and that's because of how the topography is. They're going to work around that corner and plus it creates a little pinch point for me if I'm going to hunt that. Yep. And, and then the last one, I'm just planning it to follow the low points on the topography because that keeps the, that portion of the plot really secluded. Okay. And that's the one that's closest to my house. And I'm, I'm going to try to get that established in a white clover is, is my goal. And okay. I'll 
probably put turnips down this year and seed white clover. And then in the spring, I might frost seed it again. Okay. So clover, um, is that for the, is that for the biggest one? Yeah, I'd say the biggest one I would like to be in a nice clover plot. Yeah. I just need something that's going to take the browse. If I, I'm just really nervous about planting a full, even if it's just a half acre of turnips, they, they'll just wipe it out in no time. Right. Right. So, so what's your goal with, with the food plot, um, game? I mean, do you have a, do you have a strategy that you're thinking about of why you planted these, um, the time that you're planting these, um, is it something that, okay, uh, first week in October, when does, uh, Ohio start hunting season uh, start? Archery season this year is the last Saturday in September. Okay. So from that opening day to mid October, and then you're going to say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, hunt, try to hunt this food at certain times. Uh, is that, is that playing a role in your strategy or is it basically just, Hey, you're going to do whatever your trail cameras are telling you? I'm probably going to do whatever my cameras are telling me. Um, I, I really want to decrease my pressure on this property until later in October. Even when it was a closed canopy national forest looking place, the end of October, early November, it really picked up. So my thought is if I've created all this cover and I'm creating all this natural food and I'm planting more food, I'm adding water and um, all of that should just make it better. Uh, I'm assuming, I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. And as far as the plots go, I'm a brand new food plot guy, so I'm not quite sure how it's going to play out and what they're going to target at a certain time. You know, I'm assuming the turnip plots will be a little bit better later in the year if the turnips are still there. And, you know, winter wheat stays green for almost ever. It's the last thing to stop growing and the first thing to start. So they should be hitting that on a pretty routine basis. And I think all of them should be pretty active. Okay. So. Food is, I mean, you, okay, I'm starting to stutter now because I'm trying, <laughs> <laughs> trying to think. All right, so cover, it's done for the year. You mm-hmm. have your strategy for food plots and, you know, you're going to follow through through with that. Um, do you foresee any changes on that at all? You know, I, I think it'll, in the next couple of years, around the food plots, I planted uh, 13 apple trees and four pear trees throughout. Oh, okay. So I spread those into the food plots as well. And now they're they're young. Um, so I'm, I probably won't get fruit out of them for another two years, year, two years. Right. So that's going to also change how these plots work. Each Each food plot has a series of apple trees in it that's going to drop from September to the end of November. Okay. And... And then um, the pear trees, they drop a little bit earlier. August to early October is kind of when the range is for what I bought. So that's going to add a whole nother dynamic into this once those you know, start producing their fruit. And I'm hoping that that whole fall drop is going to keep the deer consistent around those because there's going to be a tree producing fruit almost every month until December-ish. Right. So it sounds to me like the goal is to have deer have enough cover and food on your property to live there all year round. That's my goal. Yeah, it really is. I want to produce some, some fat gluttonous deer. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now water. Um, and I saw a Facebook post on this yesterday of you just digging a hole, um, <laughs> because, because of the rain. Yeah, that was completely unexpected. I was actually putting mineral out and I was all irritated because it had rained that day and this little river had just 
come out of nowhere. And I always see it there, but I never really paid any attention to it until it started washing the mineral away. I'm like, well, I, I should, I can hunt this. I know this is, you know, part of the reason why I'm around here. So I just started testing a little bit, digging a little bit, digging a little bit more. I'm like, man, this is filling up. And I just kept digging. It just kept filling up. And I checked on it today and it was completely full. I'm like, I got to make that bigger now. Um, so that one was really unexpected, but I thought, Hey, it's near my mineral. If it's hot, it's going to dry out. So it's not a permanent solution, but it's going to keep my mineral from getting washed away at least. Okay. Is that, uh, something that you're going to consider putting in a permanent water source on your property at all? Yeah, I have a couple of them going to put in. So I have those 100 gallon Rubbermaid, you know, big cattle troughs is pretty much what they are. Yep. And I'm going to sink those in in different areas. More than likely, I'm going to sink them close to my food plots. Whether it's an area in my food plot, like the the big hourglass shaped plot, I with the mini excavator just dug out where I was going to put it, and it's going to be right in the pinch point. Nice. And you know that'll be a perfect spot. If they're just cruising through there, stop for a drink. I'm going to shoot you. That's pretty much my plan. Hope we'll see how it plays out. And then I'm going to put another one. Um, it's it would be further away from the a food plot, but it's an area that I can hunt. So I'm going to place it a little bit closer to that trail system. So I'll probably have three water sources on the property. Okay. Now, what about natural water on your property? You mentioned that was like a three. Do you have any creeks or ponds or? Uh, there's one. There's one on a nearby property. Anytime you get a hard rain out here, I always end up with with some standing water, and it's not consistent though it lasts for a while then it dries out gotcha. and there was there's one naturally occurring it's a pretty decent sized water hole that's full right now i mean it looks beautiful but come august it'll probably be dry so i'm gonna have to put something around that that i can fill up that um, will be more consistent gotcha all right so from we've talked about the food the water the cover um now, how do you feel that you've done uh, as a first timer on on these projects? You know, I think I did pretty good. I mean, I'm pretty comfortable with a chainsaw. I've been cutting trees down for firewood and things like that for forever, and learning the new, the different cuts and that was a really a learning curve for me. I, hinge cutting was difficult at first. I kept snapping them off until I kind of got a feel for it and, and actually got a habitat hook that helped exponentially to have something like that um i didn't get hurt or die from trees falling um i had one plus yeah i had one really close encounter one of those oh crap moments when i I cut a huge aspen tree down we have out here and it snapped off a branch from another tree and i wasn't even i was watching the other my tree fall and i had backed way away from it and this branch probably 10 feet long six inch diameter came down like Zeus himself threw a lightning bolt at me and stuck in the ground probably three, four feet from me. Okay. And it would have killed me for sure. And that was one of those, oh my God, kind of moments. Okay. So, you know, I think I did well creating the cover. And again, I don't think you can mess that up. And I was so worried about messing something up. I was just fearful. Like, uh, if I do this wrong, I'm going to ruin the property forever. You're not. They're deer. They're going to want to bed where they can bed, where they feel safe. They're, they're going to want to find the edge. And just making that in a good area is it. And how you make it, I'm sure if you if I brought you out to my property and gave you a chainsaw and said do it, you would have done something totally different and it probably would have worked just as well. Okay. Now, is there anything, any regrets? Um, you know, you you kind of mentioned, hey, 
it was kind of a, if you did do something wrong, is there anything that you have done wrong or not necessarily done wrong, but regret doing something that you wish you wouldn't have? Um, I created some extra work for myself early on because I had a plan in my head. And this is where my lack of patience comes in for a task. If if I have a task in my head, I just have to go do it. I, I can't sit and think about it forever. So I, I got started and I started expanding the food plot that I'm not even going to plant now. Right. And I'm not going to do anything with it. But it's still going to grow up into some thick cover and it's going to be more food for them, just natural browse. So right. other than wasting a weekend, it, it's not going to be too much of a, a problem for me. Um, regrets. I, you know, honestly, I probably could tell you if I have any regrets after this hunting season, when I see how the deer are actually using it in the fall and I'll have a better idea if I screwed anything up then. Okay. Now, I want to, now I want to fast forward all the way to the end of this hunting season, right? Um, mm-hmm. And talk a little bit about what is your goal for next year? Um, is there any additional work that you feel needs to be done? So I'll probably make my plots bigger. I'm assuming that next year, at least one of them, I'm going to expand it further and just try to make it a little bit bigger. I just wasn't sure which direction to go. And I wanted to see how the deer reacted to my hinge cuts and my creations of the the cover to decide if I want to go north or south pretty much is the option. And I'll, I'll probably do that. Um, and my goal, I, I really wanted to increase the number of, it sounds weird, does on my property because, you know, they need food, water, cover, but we hunt them at a time they're really looking for that, they're looking for that sex, you know, they're looking right. to, to breed. And I didn't have a, a real strong herd of does on my property. So I wanted to give them another reason, that fourth reason to be there, especially in hunting season. Right. Okay. Was, and I, I, I forget, um, talking to you about this on the first, uh, podcast that we did, but is there any decent bucks and well, and it's different for everybody that term decent bucks is different for everybody throughout the U S but, um, what, from a antler age standpoint, what are you looking for? Um, it's, it's going to get, I think a little more, uh, the goal is going to get greater every year. I live in a really great part of Ohio. I mean, across, literally across the street from me last year, there was, I think it was 178 that killed. Um, there was, there's multiple 200 inch deer that get killed in this County or counties that are around mine. I think there was, uh, I want to say 190 something typical that was killed last archery season, about seven miles away from where I live. So I, I live in an area where there's some big deer. And I know at least as of shed season that I had three, three and a half, three, three and a half year olds that lived last year. So I'm going to hopefully have at least three, four and a half year olds, but, um, increasing my cover, I think is going to increase the deer. They're going to want to use my property. So this fall, my, my plan is to try to hold out for, and I'm terrible at aging them on the hoof. I mean, truly I am. I, I don't know guys can do it and I give them all the credit in the world, but I can't. So I really want to get a, something over 150 is going to be my, my goal for this year. Okay, nice. Now, let's go even f- further out. Let's go five, ten years from now. Um, what is, what's your goal at that point? Um, do you, what's your vision at that point? So ten years from now, and actually it's kind of funny. I, a couple of my neighbors follow you, follow your podcast, I've yeah. learned, because the first time that uh, I did a this this with you someone tagged my neighbor 
in the comments section, like, oh, okay, so they, so now they know what I do back there. You know, I got to right. be a little more, a little more stealth. <laughs> <clears throat> um, my goal, I'd say, ten years from now, is to purchase additional property around me and make my land bigger. That, that's my goal, and I've talked about it with my wife. There's a little chunk that is really landlocked that somebody else owns that I have my eye on. So I'm already starting the process again from where I started originally to buy this piece to get to that point to try to buy another piece that borders my property. Okay. Nice. And yeah, I keep just keep improving the habitat, hopefully learn the farm a little bit better and learn how to hunt it. And the topography creates some crazy thermals back there. And it's a constant learning experience hunting this hilly terrain from where I grew up in Pennsylvania that was postage stamp flat. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, my friend, it sounds like you are on. I'm, first off, I'm going to say I'm jealous uh, <laughs> because uh, obviously it's, and that's with almost all hunters, they would love to own property at some point in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's a goal of mine as well. Um, sounds like you are on the right track to getting done what you want to get done as far as, um, you know, deer and deer hunting on, on your property. Um, so we're going to have to, we're going to keep this running and have, you know, continually touch base with you and just, if it's okay with you, I'd love to follow your journey mm-hmm. and share that on this for everybody else. Yeah, that would be great. I'll, I'll tell you one thing though. I recently got rid of Facebook just because I, I just didn't really use it enough. And there's some right. really wide, I was friends with some really whiny people. I just don't want to see it anymore. So I use Instagram. <laughs> Instagram's pretty much my way to go now. And I, I still post all the same pictures and updates of what I'm doing back there. But yeah, I would love to. And as far as your goal about buying property, I am just an average, I'm a registered nurse. I'm just a dude, you know, and I'm 32 years old. It is so possible. It's just a matter of, you know, finding what you want and and sticking to the, staying disciplined with the plan. It it works. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, Brent, uh, thanks for coming on and until next time. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Huge shout out to Brent for taking time to come on the podcast. Big props to you, man. Thank you very much. Huge shout out to each and every one of you for taking time to download this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And a huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast. Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Exodus, Ripcord, Wasp, Gearhead, Exodus, Ozonix, Deer Lab, Ripcord, Wasp, Exodus, Deer Lab, Ozonix, Exodus, Lone Wolf. I think I've said it all. So uh, be sure to give those partners a try. Go visit their websites, Google them, check out their products, all that stuff. If you guys haven't already, go check me out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. More and better things to come as this uh, summer, as we get into summer, as we get into uh, the fall and whatnot. And... Let's see. Go to iTunes. Leave a review if you like the podcast. And I think that's going to do it. If As we start getting into nicer weather, we're going to be planting food plots. We're going to be setting up tree stands. We're going to be doing some work outside. Please be careful. And if you are up in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week. Thank you.